Good afternoon and welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight podcast, where we talk about everything business to business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon Orlick, and I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse, early stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. On today's episode, I am super excited to introduce you to Crystal Nicosi, Sales Enablement Manager at Cloud Academy, Inc., trustee at Trust Enablement, member of the Sales Enablement Society, and all-around rock star sales leader building winning sales team. Crystal, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure, Heidi. Yeah. So why don't we kick it off and why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey into sales? Sure. So, um, you know, really interesting, um, you know, years ago, uh, about 15 years ago, actually, I always told myself like I could, oh, I could never do sales. I could never do sales. Um, It, you know, and I was always afraid of the rejection, right? Always, you know, afraid of feeling like, um, you know, I was a bother and nobody wanted to talk to salespeople. And so somehow I, I, you know, spoke with a friend and eventually decided to get into, um, you know, a sales role. And I was, you know, like, ah, you know, this is really, this is really scary. I was young and, um, but, you know, I, I, I stuck with it. And so, um, you know, that was a, a more of a business development role. And then I just, you know, moved to the sales path through, um, you know, various uh, SaaS organizations and then eventually, um, you know, became an enterprise AE where I sat for a couple of years, um, really enjoyed it. Um, But then at the end of, um, you know, I would say around the 10 year mark, I just I was a little bit burnt out. I felt like I had achieved and accomplished, um, you know, everything that I could in that space or in that role. So then that's really what led me to sales enablement. That sounds great. And and for our listeners, maybe, um, you know, some that may be new to sales or just considering a career in sales, um, t- tell us what is sales enable- enablement? Like, how do you define that? Yeah, I think um, so in, in a nutshell, uh, to keep it as simplistic as possible, Sales enablement is put in place to help the sales reps have better sales conversations, right? Now, better is, uh, you know, there's a lot that's behind that. Um, and, you know, sales conversations, there, there's a lot behind that. It could be, um, you know, via email. It could be over the phone. It could be on LinkedIn, um, you know, just a, a variety of different channels. But enablement, um, the way that, you know, just kind of taking it one layer deeper is it's really comprised of three different pillars um, the way that I like to think about it. And so the first pillar is going to be um, sales processes and also sales tool stack. Uh, You know, uh, everything that is falls in that pillar is usually co-owned by um, sales operations as well as sales enablement. Um, And then the second pillar is going to be, um, you know, content. Um, content that is put out, whether it is a simple, you know, cheat sheet, whether it's a conversation guide, or it is a job aid, um, 
that is being put in place to coincide with a, a big marketing campaign that the sellers need to be aware of. Um, so content can, you know, it, it can, it's, it's all across the board. It's not even just those documents. It could be, um, you know, uh, customer case studies, even, you know, uh, making them easily available to the sales reps. Um, and then the third pillar is going to be training and coaching. So, um, you know, some organizations are heavier on this than others. Um, however, it is still absolutely a pillar of sales enablement. And it doesn't mean just the action of, um, you know, coaching and training, also building out, um, you know, the frameworks for all of these things. Um, you know, what is, uh, you know, a coaching culture look like? What is mm-hmm. the cadence of coaching? What, uh, you know, should be talked about during a coaching session? Um, and then also training, um, you know, it's not ad hoc, it's, or it shouldn't be ad hoc, but, um, you know, training on a particular sales methodology, for example, like Sandler or, mm-hmm. you know, a qualification, um, you know, method like MedPick, um, or it could be just having better discovery, you know, what does that look like? What does that sound like? Um, so, yeah, so I would say sales enablement is made up of those three pillars. Yeah, that that is a great way to to uh, frame it. Awesome, thanks for that. And so, what was it about sales enablement that you gravitated towards? So, it, you know, sales enablement is a function that has you know really just come out um, the last let's say ten years. Um, you know, I think very progressive organizations were doing it. Um, you know, even before that, but it wasn't called sales enablement. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't know what to call it. Um, they didn't, you know, the, the responsibilities weren't clearly defined. Um, but I think a lot of leaders, sales leaders knew that they needed something like what current enablement is, but they just couldn't put their finger on it. And so that's really where I started. I got into it, to be honest, it was, I knew I didn't want to manage my own sales team. Um, I wanted to have a bigger impact than that. I wanted to, um, you know, be more strategic with, uh, you know, everything that I had learned over my years of of being in sales. I was certified um, in a lot of different methodologies. I had gone through some world-class training. Um, I had really mastered a lot of, um, you know, sales techniques. um, And I wanted to be able to share that out. Um, and I didn't, you know, and, but I didn't want to do it with just my team. I didn't want to mm-hmm. you know, be that person. So sales enablement was something that was just coming out. And I was like, yeah, this, this sounds kind of cool. This sounds like I could really, um, you know, make an impact. I'd be working with other departments, which is great. It was something that I always, you know, wanted to do even as a seller, like, gosh, I wish I could have that from marketing. I wish I knew that marketing was doing this campaign that way. I could have created a call blitz around it, um, or I could have, you know, sent out better messaging around, you know, around this. And so that really excited me. And so that's, I, I made the jump um, into, you know, an enablement role. Yeah, I I agree. You know, I've been in sales a, a really long time and, and the biggest fail rate, I think, is because you don't have that enablement support, right? I think so many salespeople 
are just expected to come in with no training or very little training and are thrown to the wind. And, and you're right, you know, the, the different functions that you describe were owned by different groups. You know, it might be marketing, it might be sales, it might be, you know, something else, something totally yeah. different, solutions, right? And nobody talked to each other. Right. And, and so it's so nice to now see this functioning coming together as a, you know, a more formally recognized role within the sales organization. Yep. It just, it creates transparency and, you know, enablement really is, um, you know, the silo smasher, right. Between uh, different departments, just breaking down those silos and really creating, um, you know, a sales ecosystem, if you will, uh, for all other departments to sort of, you know, flourish and grow and, and then everything that's happening um, is then filtered through enablement. And, and that is what gets communicated to the sellers. Yeah, I, I love thinking of it as a whole ecosystem, right? That's awesome. So let's pivot a little, a little bit. Um, you know, Girls Who Sell uh, focuses on, you know, career placement, working for early in early career placement, right? Um, mostly with college-aged and high school-aged young women. Do you think sales enablement is a good place to start in a sales career? Or do you think it's better to start in sales and um, sort of work your way up to a sales enablement position? So that's a great question because if you look at a, if you look at a lot of enablement um, people, a lot of them have my background, right? They have that sales background. Um, they've done the sales role. They get it. They were successful in it. Um, you know, and ideally, it would be awesome to be able to be able to be a BDR or and mm-hmm. also uh, you know selling to mid market and then also selling to enterprise. Right. It would be great to have all of those, all of that experience. Um, However, there are some organizations where I know fantastic enablers who didn't have a sales background. Um, You know, one enabler that I can think of, um, he came from an engineering background and, um, you know, he's very, very smart. He's, um, you know, he is able to he is much more focused on data. Uh, which you absolutely need to be as an enabler. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to make it seem like you don't have to be focused on data. You do 100%, but he's very numbers oriented. Um, and that's really where that's because he's coming from an engineering background, but it, it works. It works. Um, however, I would, I, if it were up to me, I would say that, you know, go through um, a couple of years of sales or even a year of sales. And then you could try to transition into an enablement role. We've just worked so closely with sales reps that if you haven't done the role, um, it's hard to speak their language and it's hard Mm -hmm. to earn their trust. Um, because that's huge that, you know, they could choose just not to work with you. And that makes it very difficult, uh, to, you know, to function as an enabler. So I, I would recommend to have a little bit of sales experience prior to trying to get into an enablement role. And do you think even B2C experience would is transfer, a transferable skill? Like if you come from retail sales as, as an example or no, or no I mean, it really needs to be B2B. It really needs to be B2B. And yeah. 
um, you know, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be SaaS. It could be just B2B, but I would say, yeah. All right. But that's a good lead in. Um, I know you recently took a personality trait survey. I want to learn (laughs) a little bit more about that. But um, it's interesting because a lot of the young women that we speak to about the possibility of going into sales um, often tell me that they don't think sales is for them because they don't have the personality trait for it. And some, and some even say, oh, you know what? I'm sort of a data geek. I'm a- analytic, um, you know, I, and, and the perception is that you have to be this extrovert, you know, life of the party. And, and I believe that actually there's room for everyone, right? Um, no matter what your personality skill is, that if you can discover that, that that is actually your superpower and then trying to find the role that matches what your innate skill set is, is super important, right? And that's what will set you up for success. So from your perspective, well, tell us a little bit about the survey that you went through and um, and then what what kind of skill set, you mentioned analytics and in, in being detail oriented, but what kind of skill set do you think works for an enablement role? For an enablement role. So um, I, this personality assessment that I took, um, it was very, it was pretty in depth. Um, I just, you know, that post that I made was just really, uh, um, you know, a snapshot of my 24, what you would call sales skills. So Mm -hmm. how I, um, you know, how I would function in a sales role. So a lot of this I was already familiar with, um, but, uh, you know, it was really insightful. Um, and on that, uh, you know, photo, you can see of where, uh, you know, some of my traits for, as a sales personality, um, you know, where they're heaviest. And, you know, one heavy trait that I had was galvanized relationships. Yeah, I saw that. I love that picture, by the way, doing doing it as a word cloud. I thought that was, did you put that together? That was pretty I did, yeah. Okay, so that was, so yeah, galvanized relationships. I love that. That is my heaviest. Um, So that is the biggest part of my sales, um, you know, my sales personality. Um, However, you know, personality assessments are great. They help you to, um, you know, be able to maybe identify some areas that you could work on. Um, but they, do, you know, personality assessments should not be the end all sort of be all right. Um, it is really about, um, you know, one of the things on there that I'm not very strong in is empathy. Um, and uh, that, that I do need to improve in that. And empathy is huge in sales. Yeah. Um, and, and also sales enablement. So it's like, but I was very successful in sales. I feel like I'm, you know, pretty successful in enablement. So it can't be an end all be all. It's just a guide um, to, to show you where your strengths are, where your areas of opportunity are. And, you know, here are some possible career fits for someone who's early in their career. It could be a great guide um, to where they want to try to go. Um, But it's definitely not end all be all. Yeah. So what was there any other surprises? What did empathy surprise you or no? Uh, Not really. It didn't surprise me. Um, 
uh, because, uh, it, and it's the way that sometimes that I can communicate. Um, another area of opportunity for me through that personality assessment was that sometimes I can come across as very blunt um, or a little bit pushy. Uh, and so, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, those weren't surprises for me, but again, it is something that I can look at and say, I can definitely improve there because as an enabler, that is not something that you want to have. You want to be able to collaborate with so many different types of personalities. Um, and you want to be able to, you know, not come across as pushy or, or as blunt. You want to be as collaborative and open as possible. So, um, but, you know, but again, you know, the, the assessments are great. Um, and, you know, just identifying areas that I could work on. But, you know, if you're looking to get into enablement, I, I would say some of the, the key, um, you know, personality traits, um, you know, would be definitely to, um, you know, collaborate. You, you like to collaborate. You like to work in, you know, in a team environment. Um, and I would say fantastic communication skills, um, you know, written skills, um, and also, um, you know, the ability to do training and coaching. Um, and part of training and coaching is, uh, you know, being able to really communicate with your seller, um, mm -hmm. trying to get them to, or trying to understand um, much more where they're coming from. Um, and so that's kind of where that empathy comes in. Um, but I would say those are a few, you know, traits that, that you could have as an enabler. But like I said, I've seen an engineer be an amazing enablement, you know, person. So it just depends. I, I, sometimes I think it maybe you'll strangle me for saying this, but I, I sometimes think about enablement more of a back office function. I mean, I know it's, it's so robust in terms of the responsibility um, of the enablement team, but so maybe that lack of empathy, I mean, yeah, because maybe empathy with the salesperson, Right. But I could kind of see almost like an, a lack of empathy or or maybe, um, I don't know, as sort of a superpower in that. It's like, yeah, you know, I get it. It's a tough day. Yeah, you got a lot of rejection, but come on, let's get going. Right. We have to do. And so sometimes, sometimes you know, like you got absolutely. a number to meet. Right. Yeah, sometimes it definitely helps, but you know, I it it definitely <laughs> helps sometimes. And I don't think I'm completely, you know, lack uh, you know, empathy, but I think a lot of it just comes from my I'm my natural personality. I am a doer and I just am constantly going, going, going. Yeah, and yeah. so when I have someone who, you know, um is coming to me and they're saying, Oh, you know, I'm sorry I couldn't get this done, or um, you know, just whatever the case is, um, I'm not rude by any means, but it's just like, I don't have like the, Oh, well that's, you know, that's, that's all right. Let's talk about how we can, you know, get this, um, you know, get you back or whatever, whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, just, I, I think I'm just constantly going and constantly moving. So whenever something, you know, comes up that requires a little bit of empathy, I'm like, no, we need to keep doing this. Let's go. You know, exactly like what you said. <laughs> Get over it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I it's bad. I know. <laughs> get over it um, yourself, right? We've got a job to do. Um, so tell me as, you know, a leader, um, you know, it's how, how do you coach your um, recruiting an HR specialist to um, try to find individuals with the right skill set, right, to be successful in, in more of an enablement type role? Yeah, no, good question. So, it, you know, one, it depends on who is the enablement person going to be working with. And it, it, is it customer success? Is it sales? Um, or is it a partner type of enablement, um, you know, function? So let's just say it's for sales, right? Um, I, I typically evaluate where we are at that point in, in, as an organization. Um, and then um, where are we going to be or where do we need to be in the next 12 months, right? So just aligning what we're looking for to business outcomes, right? Um, you know, because, at, at, you know, we may need someone who has a specific skill set because we have a, a huge major project coming up. Or, you know, we could, um, you know, maybe the last enablement person didn't have Salesforce background and we re- recognized we needed someone like that. Mm-hmm. So that's typically how I will go about it. And then um, I'm, you know, when I can have a conversation with someone, I, I can usually pick out, you know, okay, this person, you know, I, I get I get a good grasp of who they are. Um, but as far as skills are concerned, it's, um, I, t- I do typically look for sales background. Um, I will look for, um, you know, their written abilities. Um, that is something that I look for. Uh, I also look for, um, you know, to be almost diplomatic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you are dealing with so many department heads. And then you're also dealing with, uh, you know, your sales reps. So, you know, being able to remain neutral and then being able to, um, uh, you know, work with so many different departments, you have to remain very sort of, you know, diplomatic. Um, in, in You're the sense Switzerland, that, right? <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Like, hey, uh, you know, if sales comes to complain, you know, sales leadership comes to complain to you about what marketing is doing, you have to say, okay, I, I understand how you could feel like that for sure. Um, let me get with marketing and we'll figure, you know, we'll figure, we'll implement a new process. So that way this doesn't happen again, you know? So it's, it's about that also. So I, I do look for those things along with, you know, um, tools, Salesforce Mm -hmm. outreach, uh, you know, things like that. So, yeah, that, that's interesting. So what, um, you know, what guidance, um, or nuggets of wisdom would you give to, uh, young professional who may be considering a career in sales? You know, I think um, it's not the, the, the advice that I, I would give doesn't necessarily have to do with the sales role, like the actual job itself. It's more of a mindset, right? It's more mm-hmm. of, um, you know, the, the imposter syndrome is very real. Um, I have experienced this uh, throughout my career, even to the point now that I am at in sales enablement. Um, and as you know, you continue to progress, you're going to feel it even more and more that like, mm-hmm. I don't belong here. 
Um, I, you know, all these people are so much smarter than I am. All these people are so much more successful than I am. They've achieved more than I have. Um, I, you know, I don't want to use my voice, um, you know, in, uh, in a, you know, in like an internal meeting, for example, I don't want to express myself. Um, so I would say to learn how to quiet that as quickly as you possibly can. Um, yes, it will always be there, but don't ever let that stop you from pursuing what it is that you want to pursue because it, it, it's inevitable. It's going to come up and, and you need to understand how to deal with that. So that way you can continue to break down walls. Um, you, you need to come out of your comfort zone. That's how you grow truly. That's how you grow. And, um, and you just go from there. You've got to learn to, to quiet the, that doubt. Quiet those voices. That is great advice. Crystal, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You taking the time to join us today. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can people, if they want to connect with you, um, you know, what's the best way uh, to Yeah, learn uh, definitely you? on LinkedIn. Um, definitely on LinkedIn. Um, you know, the message me, just, you know, connect with me and send me a little note about, you know, that uh, where, you know, where we met or where you saw me um, and we can get connected. I am very, very much an advocate of, you know, trying to share my insights and my experience, um, you know, across the board. So sales, sales enablement, uh, customer success, wherever I can, um, or just for some good old fashioned motivation, you know, so I'm all about that. That sounds great. Thank you, Crystal, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Heidi. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.